The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 101. And tonight we have a special guest to talk a lot of uh, pitching and fantasy baseball and some other important fantasy news. You can find him on Twitter at Sporer, S-P-O-R-E-R. And yes, that means you might know this guy, Paul Sporer from Fangraph Sports. How are we doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we talked real briefly before... We got on, and um, for those that don't know Paul, well, I don't know why you wouldn't be listening to my podcast, but um, <laughs> that would be a, a starter. But uh, I wanted to say it on the podcast, your, your fireside chats, that's kind of how when you started following me was when I commented on those. 
And I want to say why I like them so much is you don't find a lot of podcasts where a, you guys have a rapport together. That's very good. And B, you have a rapport where you can challenge each other, where a lot of shows like you listen to, you ca- everyone kind of like, oh, they fall in line together. That's yeah. how it goes. You, the, the way you guys can challenge each other is how people become smarter in this business and in this industry and everything. And that's why I like it a lot. And I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's that's how I engage with my friends. Like when we talk in sports, it can get heated, but it's not personal. Like, I mean, even so far as like definitely sometimes it'll be like, You'll say, oh, that's stupid, which, you know, you're calling them stupid or their point or whatever, but you're focused on on their point. Like, that's as far as it goes. You start getting into, like, personal attacks. You, you've gone down the, the wrong road here. But with sports, it's just like, it's supposed to be fun like that. I know. You know, we had the one that really went back and forth, and uh, a lot of people really liked it. There were some people that didn't. It was kind of um, – it leaned more positive than not, though. So that, that was good, and that's what I wanted because – if we agree, we agree. That's fine. And doing shows with people that, that you're friends with, you're probably going to be more apt to have agreements and, and line things up. But sometimes you're going to have a disagreement. I think it's okay to kind of push and be like, hey, I disagree. You're not backing your point. Where are we at on it? Because that's sports. Like That's the fun part of sports for me. Yep, I 100%, 100% agree. Because in the end, sometimes certain issues, there is one right answer. But a lot of times there's not. Especially, exactly. Especially in the fantasy world we live in where, you know, you, we'll go over some of your rankings you just came out with and you know you and mason just went over them and you guys don't agree on some things and that's how everybody's system should work and that's just the beauty of it all because if there's only a you know a set one to whatever this game wouldn't be any fun if we knew the outcomes i mean that's why no matter how good the projection system is they they get tons of stuff wrong just by default just because we can't predict exactly what these humans are going to do in a given year and that's why we play that's what makes it fun no, I completely agree. So let's talk about a few players here. Let's start with some recent player news. Uh, real quick, some injuries. Evan Longoria uh, is going to be out six to eight weeks having surgery on Tuesday. Got hit in the hand, uh, broke a bone. The reason I wanted to ask you a question here is, what's your thoughts on Alan Hansen, who between him and Pablo will get most of the playing time over there? Yeah, it sucks that this is the way it had to come to be for Alan Hansen to seemingly get a clear path to playing time. But I'm actually a pretty big fan of his. You know, he's a big prospect with Pittsburgh uh, quite a while ago at this point. And so there's definitely the prospect fatigue, kind of the forgotten factor. But a 25-year-old actually was kind of looking at him as as a post-hype prospect back in November, wrote about him, and then again as an NFBC uh, hitting sleeper. In, in mid-January, kind of identified him as somebody who projections liked. And then if you kind of take those projections over a full season, Alan Hansen can do some things because he has a little bit of the power and speed. And that's what really uh, drew me to him, plus a uh, multi-positional guy too. So I really like what uh, what Alan Hansen can do. And I think, I think he's going to be somebody to kind of get in just about every format at this point as the playing time gets going now. Yeah, I agree because in, in reality, as a Giants fan, he should be playing over Joe Panic if you want the offensive angle. But the Giants mm-hmm. have always been that defensive team. That's what they've always thrived on. They will always be that team. So this does open up big time playing time. Like you mentioned, the multi position, he can play the outfield, he can play so many spots that he's going to be one of those kind of super util guys that say Panda gets a start at third. We can still see Hanson in the lineup somewhere else. Um, and, and just I saw about a half hour ago, Brandon Crawford's out the first three games this week on uh, paternity leave. His wife's having a baby. So Alan Hansen could slide right in there or Kelby yep. Tomlinson or someone else. So tons of options with a guy like Alan Hansen. So don't go grab him in our uh, 
TGFBI League, okay? Appreciate it. Um, you got Fulty, Mike Fultonevich goes in the DL with right triceps tendon or tightness. He's supposed to be coming back already next, next week, and it's kind of already planned out in the rotation. And Brandon McCarthy is going to be the odd man out, but that's a whole other story. Are you concerned at all with Fulty? Because we're going to we, – we could talk about him now if you want, but he, you know, had that great start so far this year that many don't want to believe in still. No, and – there is some trepidation. You mentioned the fireside chat. We actually discussed him. Nick, Nick Pollock and I from pitcherlist.com uh, discussed Fulty and Newcomb and kind of came up, you know, liking both a bit, but not being super enamored with them, like respecting what they're doing, but not saying that they're locked down full on breakout seasons. Fulty's particularly interesting. What I like about both and Atlanta in general is I think the defense is really helping these guys. So you see some factors in the profile that you might not like that, that might not add up to the greatness that we've seen from Fulty, but then you add the layer of defense with it. And I think it helps it make a lot more sense. Not that he's going to be a two sixteen ERA full season, but he can add a run, you know, almost a run and a half and still be a viable pitcher if he's keeping the whip in check and, and getting the strikeout. So I like Fulty. This does concern me, though, in injury uh, triceps. Hopefully it's short timetable. Uh, if he comes back next week, that'll definitely make me feel a lot better. But anytime a pitcher's injuring their arm, you, you have to have some concern. Uh, it's balancing the panic with with being properly concerned. So I put it on the scale as, you know, if it's a one to 10 panic, I say maybe like a four, I got a little bit of concern, but I'm sticking with faulty going to get him back in there as soon as I can. Might have to bench him this week just to play it safe, especially if every start matters like a head to head. But uh, generally speaking, I still like Fulton and I'm pretty much when healthy starting him just about all the time without really any reservation, except maybe a Coors outing or really difficult, maybe to start where I could finagle it because the beauty with somebody like faulty is, where you got him, some folks picked him up off the wire, I bet, in like a 10-teamer. Where you got him means your rotation is probably better around him, that you don't have to rely on him. And then I'll just ask the questions now. We can skip him later. If, if he comes back healthy and everything's fine and you are a faulty owner, are you going to keep riding this wave out or are you trying to sell him as much as you can? I think after this injury, you're going to have to wait because – that's going to build in a discount whether you like it or not. Somebody's going to say, listen, he's just coming off this injury. I'll trade for him. But the price has have, has to come down, I think, with most trade partners. Um, no, I don't really think I'm running out to sell him. Um, you know, If he gets a couple good starts going right after this for Fulty, then maybe I'll, I'll run it up the flagpole and see what's what. But again, I think the way you, you, your team's probably constructed in a lot of scenarios, he's probably not even somebody that you're over, overly reliant on. Um, you know, he could be your third, fourth guy, which is a really nice third or fourth guy to have. So team needs absolutely matter. But for the most part, I'm not, I'm not actively seeking to get rid of him as if I'm worried about a, a complete fall off for Fulty. Okay. Let's go to the Oakland A's uh, power hitting third baseman, Matt Chapman, who great defender hitting the ball. Well, his war numbers are through the roof right now. If you look at a whole season stat, someone tweeted out the other day. And uh, he goes to the DL with the right thumb contusion. The only question I really have for you, because I think we're okay with him when he gets back, Franklin Barreto got the call. Every time he's been up, he never really gets the look. Do you have any interest in a guy like Franklin Barreto? You know, there's some prospect pedigree there, and so that kind of keeps me interested. Um, You know, prospect pedigree is still a pretty good measure to to use uh, to kind of give you a guy that's as – for guys who could do something and he is still just 22 years old, Franklin Bredo is. So he's 
hardly somebody that we should be giving up on and saying, well, he can't do it. You're right. There's been some uninspired uh, appearances so far in the majors, but at age 21, 22, not too worried about that. Has a little speed, a little pop. I do think I'm taking a look in the appropriate leagues, which would be uh, AL only, of course, and then deep mixers. I'm thinking probably more than 15 teams, but the the lowest I would go is a 15-teamer where I'm desperate for a middle. Maybe take a look at Barreto there. Okay, I like that. Um, last question I'll ask you. Carlos Carrasco got hit yesterday with line drives going back to the DL. What's your level of concern with Carrasco? It's just insane. Huge. Yeah, Huge. He's a magnet for the ball. I think there's like a catalog of, of him. I remember the Ian Kinsler one uh, as a big Tigers fan. You know, was, I was watching that game and I was like, oh, geez, are you kidding me? And it seems like he's always – it's almost like that softball pitcher who, who pitches it too low and gets a bunch coming back up at, uh, up the box at him. It's like, get the ball up then. You know, obviously it's a lot different in MLB and it's probably just circumstance that this keeps happening, but he does keep getting hit. My baseball's up the middle for Carrasco. I am concerned. Uh, he was just coming out of his little funk there statistically. So that's the really concerning part is that he just had back-to-back excellent starts. Gets his clock cleaned here. Now goes on the DL. I definitely have real concern here. The only problem is I don't think you can act on it. You just have to wait and see because uh, you're not going to get a full price or anything close to right now if you go try to trade Carrasco. So I think you just got to kind of take it on the chin and, and, and wait until he comes back. Yeah, no, it's a tough one for sure. Let's go into uh, some starting pitchers to maybe we're going to start with the buy side of things. You know, some guys are most of us were high on coming into the season. They've gotten off to some really rocky starts, either through injuries or just poor performances. And let's kick it off with uh, a guy like Robbie Ray. You have him ranked, uh, not even ranked. He's well, I don't rank injured guys only because uh, I just don't enough. see a lot of value in it. Because it's it, with injuries, timetables change. It's just so difficult. Um, and it's so context dependent, even more so than everything else that I just say, punt them and wait till they come back. I do identify which tier I would put them in when they're back. And when Robbie Ray comes back, he's a must start starter. He's somebody that you absolutely yeah. put in your lineup um, pretty much right away. Maybe not the first start off the DL, but otherwise you're putting him in. Even though I have concerns about him, he's too good and you paid too much. Uh, to really try to finagle and, and bench him at times for Robbie Ray. Well, that answers that question. There we go. Let's talk about a guy, though, that's pretty polarizing. <laughs> I've talked to a bunch of guys about him. I'm pretty sure I actually know you have talked to guys on your shows about him. Chris Archer, the guy, after a while, we're starting to see the same thing year after year after year. Mm-hmm. When do we – I don't, I don't want to say stop believing he's going to be an ace – because he's still very good, but I don't think he's an ace. What's your thoughts on Chris Archer, and would you be trying to buy Chris Archer? I'm not really trying to buy. I do. I do like Chris Archer, you know, as a pitcher, and you know, he's done stuff on ESPN. Seems like a really cool dude, and I do think sometimes that can uh, influence how we how we treat a p- player in the fantasy community too. It can work on the other side too. You think some guy's an a hole, you you, mm-hmm. you kind of downplay what he's capable of too and and obviously we should try to remove some of that you want to take moral stands on guys who are like bad people off the field i get it but just being like a a a cocky jerk or whatever don't let that negatively influence you but also don't give a pass to somebody who you think is a cool dude and i think right now that's what's happening with archer because the same problems keep cropping up he doesn't have a third pitch and he can't get through starts uh beyond five sometimes six innings the third time through when you don't have a third pitch is becoming very problematic 
uh, for Chris Archer. And, and it puts a lot of burden on the fastball slider combo. And the slider just hasn't been otherworldly this year. The fastball never really has. And so without an elite slider, he's got more of just a good one as opposed to an elite slider. Uh, we're left where we are right now with uh, with Chris Archer back in, in the low fours with a good strikeout rate. But that's about it. Not on a great team either, so you can't really feel comfortable about getting wins. No, I'm not going out and buying him because I still think the price is high enough based on name value that I'd have to give something substantial. And I don't see a whole lot changing right now. Um, I can't really put anything beyond like a 380 as kind of the upside right now until we see some sort of change where Archer can get through games longer or develop a third pitch. That's really a, a weapon for him. All right. Question I have for you. Cause it was asked to me by our buddies, Bogman and Welsh. Um, you talk to those. Jake Ari- yeah. Once in a while I do, I, you know, I have to represent Bogman and I, we share a lot of things like resemblance. So I, I, have, I have to appreciate that. <laughs> um, but Chris Archer or Jake Arietta. Still think I'm going to go Archer because he gets he gets strikeouts. That's right. And, That's uh, right. I'm, just yeah. I'm just I'm just not with it with Arietta, and you know I don't know how much of his disgruntledness uh, affects him on the mound, but I think it, it probably does. You know he was yelling at the shifts the other day, and um, he got smoked the other day, and there were four errors. I'm sure that sent him through the roof. Thankfully, only eight four of the eight runs counted against him. But uh, yeah, I'm just I was kind of out on Arietta coming into the season, and I haven't seen anything that's changing my mind. Yep, that's uh, 100% agree with you on all of that. Uh, let's talk Dallas Keuchel, a guy who used to be the ace of a staff. Now it's a staff with four other aces. And he's, you know, the strikeout rate's down this year at 18%. Uh, ground balls are down. He's still 55% ground ball. I've given him more fly balls. Hard contacts, you know, ha- the highest of his career, not by much, but a little bit. What are your thoughts on Dallas Keuchel? Because he looks completely lost out there. Yeah, but I think we've seen him kind of look completely lost before, and it looked like guys were going to stop chasing his stuff, and and he was going to kind of be done, and he and he meandered through that 2016 season. Always is good for like a DL stint or two as well. I think the team context really protects Keuchel here to where I, I could still see myself possibly investing and steal some wins, uh, steal some some decent innings. Uh, I'm not expecting a, a a a rebirth back to 2017, though. I don't really see anything like that. So I'm in between. I'm not burying Keiko, but I'm also not expecting a rebirth. So what I would say is, you know, we're at 415, 131 right now. Rest of season, I would probably pin him for something like a 390 ERA, but I, I could see the whip coming down. I do think that uh, a lot of his skills are still there to to shave some of that hit rate down and maybe get down into the low 120s for a whip, which can be useful. So there's some value there, but with no strikeouts, that does put a lot of burden on winning games, going deep into games, and quality ratios. So the key of what Keiko does is not really there anymore. So if people are asking full price or even really anything close, I'm passing. There has to be a real discount with Keiko, or else I'm just not doing it. No, I like that a lot because I do agree that unlike Chris Archer and Arietta, he shows – you know, much better in his good starts, I'd say is the best way I can say it. But uh, when he blows up, he blows up. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I do agree. We've seen it before with him. He's, he's almost turning into that crafty lefty. That's yep. not, not quite the Jamie Moyer of the world, but he's getting there. And no you, doubt. you kind of see it. So definitely a good call there. Some of the guy in the Arizona Diamondbacks, one that everybody thought would be one of the biggest benefactors of the humidor coming into the season outside of um, 
of uh, oh, I'm blanking on uh, the guy they got from Seattle now. Taiwan yeah. Walker. Taiwan Walker, thank you. But he got hurt yet again. Yeah, that's what he does. R.A.P. Um, but Zach Godley, he did have a really good start on over the weekend, given New York Mets. But mm-hmm. uh, all in all, strikeouts down, walks up, the curveball. Still, he's throwing it a lot, so that's not really the major factor, unless I'm missing something, which I could be. So, what's is. your thoughts on? Oh, he is. Well, there you go. See, this is why I like what you have. You're a pitch mix, pitch mix expert. It's a mess, though. He's still throwing it, but it's an absolute mess. That's the problem with Godley is that his curveball isn't working to the same way. And I think there's a path that you could say that the humidor is the reason why. One of the benefits of the humidor was to get better grip on your pitches and ideally get more break. Well, he almost has too much break. He's not throwing enough competitive curveballs right now. He's spiking it, and guys are spitting on it and waiting for him to bring something back into the zone, which his other stuff is a little bit weaker. He doesn't have overpowering velocity, and none of his other pitches are really uh, standout pitches, I would say, for for Zach Godley. That curveball is the money. And so it's it's almost a worse situation than something like Archer, where I said he has that one money pitch. It has to be money. The curveball has gone from super elite to just okay. And he does nothing to back it up at, nor the velocity, uh, you know, to kind of cu- cover him the way somebody like Archer does. So it really hasn't gone well. Um, you know, we saw a decent start in Colorado too. I did like that. I, he's going to be tweaking it. And so if we're seeing the curveball perform better and better, that's kind of be the, the thermometer for me. I'm going to keep an eye out and say, what are the results looking like with the curveball for Godly? Uh, it looks like they were pretty good in both of these last two starts. That's encouraging to me. I'd like to see if maybe he took some of that drop off because his adding drop, I think, made it a less competitive pitch. And so he almost wants to dial it back just a little and then get back to the uh, the godly that had that elite curveball. So he's somebody I would buy because I do think there's a discount there too. The name value is not great and the numbers are, are wretched, but I, there is a path to improving and it's with that curveball. That's a really good point on the curveball there about the humidor actually having a negative effect because all everybody's looking at right now is the home runs, that, that exactly. factor of, of, the, of the humidor. And, um, and that's a great point because I believe it was Eno wrote about it a long time ago about how it's going to give you more stick, more spin, all that good stuff you're looking for, more better grip, like you're saying. So that would make a ton of sense if you adjust to it. Now you're getting a guy that will pitch better at home, plus he gets to go to San Francisco, gets to go to L.A., gets to go to San Diego. So um, that, that could be a sneaky one because I know there are a lot of fed-up godly owners out there. For sure. So it's, He's it's a very interesting in some links. Yeah, that's bananas. Um, yeah. Jeff Samarja, Pass. he had a rehab assignment on Friday night. He only went three innings, but it's the Giants are finally getting smart with rehab and saying, okay, let's take it slow. <laughs> yes. Like, but they, they love – it pains me because as much as I love seeing the regular starters come back and pitch, it's like, how about we get them back when they're ready? Yes. So uh, he, he's, they're taking it slow with him. I'm guessing another at least one or two more starts. He, he's that guy that he, – he shows so much good in a start – and usually more bad in a start. It's like there's, 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 it, it's Jekyll and Hyde on the mound. What are Absolutely. your thoughts on Mr. White Copaneda is what I call him because he's, he's, <laughs> he's just That's like awesome. Michael Pineda. It's that same sort of deal where, you know, he doesn't want to walk anybody, but he just throws way too many strikes. And it's like, you can, you cannot give in. Like you don't have to pipe one on three, one. You're good enough to just walk the guy and try to attack the next batter. And maybe you should do that. There, there is a point of diminishing returns with walk suppression. Now this year it's been 
monstrous. I'm talking mostly about the the previous two seasons. This year, he's walking everybody. He's not striking out. No, like nothing's gone right. But that's more of like small sample injury, just kind of a a nightmare. Uh, like I think six or seven starts. So I'm talking more on the on the global scale with Samarja. But I, I I I'm backing off here. You know, I I just I don't see it because even if he gets back to last year, that wasn't so good because he allowed too many homers. And and the strikeouts weren't even that great. It was like about a strikeout per inning. Like the total was great because he threw 208 innings, but the the rate was 8.9 per nine. And it's just like, eh, okay, that's that's fine. But I need more than that to cover the the awful ERA. Uh, and there's usually good whips. So I think he'll be better than what we saw through eight starts. I'm looking at it now. Uh, Smarja has eight starts on the season. I think he'll be better than that. But that's not saying much because he's been so wretched. Not somebody I'm buying. Um, via trade if you have to speculate off the wire because you're in that desperate situation i get it because there's not a lot of uh you know a lot of great names on waiver wires to pass over somebody like jeff samarja who has had some quality work done but as far as trading for him now i'm not giving up assets for for jeff samarja right now and here's a question for you i know it's difficult without like a specific younger player to mention but say there's a jeff samarja sitting on your waiver wire and then say um, Lucia for the Yankees is sitting there. Which one would you rather take? Whew, I might go with Johnny Lasagna. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I really think I might. I might go with uh, that. That's a tough one. That's a that's a good that's a good heads up there. Now I'm still going to go smarter, and that's that's what I'm saying. If you're picking him up off the wire, you see a guy like that who's done a hell of a lot more. I'm gonna I'm gonna still lean toward the track record and the talent over somebody like Johnny Lasagna, Johnny Lois Saiga. Um his nickname's Johnny Lasagna, which is hilarious. Oh, I think it's yeah. it's perfect. I'm gonna lean I'm gonna lean shark there. because uh, I part of it I'll 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 cop to it is just not knowing a whole lot about Lois Saiga. So, you know, maybe he's a lot better than I think, but the stuff I read this week and heard from prospect guys like James Anderson at Rotowire says that he's like solid but not some game-changing prospect. He's going to have his ups and downs. I'd rather take, like, for example, his teammate, Domingo Germain, who's probably on the uh, waiver wire in a lot of leagues, too. I'd rather go with him. I'd go I'd go Herman, Samarja, Lois Saiga right now. If he's on a waiver wire, like a 10 or 12-teamer. Here's one for you, because he's also injured, but coming back shortly, Joey Luchesi. Dude, I, I like Luchesi. The, the yeah. things that he did was pretty impressive this year. The, the, what he's been able to do with, with kind of his deception and his churve, his little uh, change-up curveball hybrid. Yeah, I, I, I like Lucchesi. I think he would jump to the top of that that theoretical list that I'm talking about here. So, yeah, I would go with him coming back. His rehab's been sharp. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with Lucchesi. All right, let's talk about uh, Minnesota Twins pitcher Lance Lynn. His strikeouts are going up. Pretty good clip this year. Walks are going up as well. Going up a ton of hard contact, 40% hard contact rate. And uh, we're finding out year after year now that Target Field actually is a nice hitter's park in the summertime. So there might be some concern there, but the strikeouts are very impressive. He's been better of late. Maybe, he, you know, late start to the season, all the, the storylines you can look at. What are your thoughts on Lance Lynn? Got some love for Lance Lynn. I kind of always have. And so maybe it's just having a tough time quitting somebody that I think is a, is a really quality pitcher. He's been really sharp over his last five, five straight quality starts, 30 strikeouts and 30 in the third. That hard contact is still there. Now, I, 
I want to credit and I, I can't remember. So pardon me on that. This is not my original thing though. Somebody was looking up and seeing that there's a lot of hard contact measurements uh, looking really high kind of across the board and that maybe there's something a little bit flawed by it because um, it just seems like there's this weird influx of hard contact kind of across the board. I mean, I know last year there were some questions about Comerica Park being inflated, but now there's some questions about just kind of across the board. And so it matters to look at the hard contact rate, but it's not something that's an automatic deterrent for me too, because he's also got a 54% ground ball rate in this run. Lance Lynn does. And so hard grounders don't necessarily bother me. Sometimes they're going to skip through the infield. Sure. But it's better than being a hard contact fly ball sort of guy. Cause then you're talking about leaving the yard. I'd rather give up some singles than just get beat around the yard uh, or get beat, you know, out of the yard with home runs. So I'm actually kind of in on Lance Lynn. I think he's going to have a nice uh, summer of just kind of piling up quality starts. It's a lot of them will be baseline quality starts, six and three, but I'll take it with do- solid strikeouts. And I think this Minnesota team will play better. So I think there'll be an opportunity for some uh, better win totals too. And we knew that going into the year, what Lance Lynn has been his whole career is a quality starts pitcher. Mm-hmm. He's never been flashy, but he's always been good. Uh, so uh, if he if he gets to you that, then yes, definitely on board. That's a good point with the hard hit. Uh, doesn't always mean fly balls. It could be ground balls, which it is more so in Lance's case. Last guy about on the buy list here. This is ultra tilting to me because I was big on him this year and I have him in places and I've had to drop him in one league, the Barf League. John Gray, he got beat up again today. He had four great innings and then the fifth inning, boom, goes to dynamite. Yeah. So what are we doing with this guy? Because the stuff is there. It's just he has that inning or two where it all goes bad. That's the thing. And, you know, one of the, one of the issues that I see in particular with, uh, with John Gray is that the, the issues that he has are exacerbated by his home park. And so, you know, the fact that he runs a high Babbitt, well, that's because he plays in a park that's conducive to doing such as well. And so it makes, it makes it so he has to be perfect at on the road and he's not because then there's no wiggle room at home for John Gray and you're just left, you know, we've talked about him a couple of times already. Nick Pollock, my, uh, my colleague on the fireside chats, he really said it best uh, with regards to John Gray. Cause he says, even if he has a great start one day, we're so worried about the next one that the stress level itself is so not worth it. And that's kind of where I'm at with Gray right now. You know, as much as I like the talent, uh, I think somebody asked me like, when's Greg going to turn it around on, on Twitter? And I said, when he gets traded, like, I, and I, I don't think he's going to get traded. Right. They should keep him. But for fantasy, I think it's, it's not until he's out of that environment. I just can't do it. It's a headache. I just don't want. No, that's a great point. And that's, that's why I finally ended up dropping him is I realized I haven't played him in like his last four starts. Like, yeah. and why am I rostering you? So you I might, can't pitch might you, well but yeah, you got to go. I'll take a, I'll, I'll go take a chance on someone else and see how that goes. Um, let's talk about some potential sell targets or just hold as you'd expect. Patrick Corbin comes in 18th on your list. He's been really, really good. Came out the year as like a gangbuster. Then kind of had some interesting velocity, some would say issues. And he got beat up over the weekend by the Mets, which is concerning. But the stuff still looks good. What's your thoughts on Patrick Corbin? Are you selling him or are you watching it? Yeah, I mean it's tough to take an L, you know, such a bad one against uh against the Mets and and actually the Mets and Pirates both got to him a bad inning against both of them. Um and and that really sank his day, but he still had 12 strikeouts and 11 in in the third innings there. Strikeouts have still been there. Now you look at it and 
three of his last four outings have been five plus earned runs. And so that's really difficult to take, but I think that's just kind of some smoothing out, you know, that John Smoltz says that a guy's going to have, you know, is a plus stuff for 10 starts. He's going to have virtually nothing for 10 starts. And then the middle 10 are really going to kind of decide their season. Right. And so he got off to an amazing start through 11 starts, most of those 11 were probably some of the best games that Corbin's going to throw all year. And now he's having some of his off outings and we're going to kind of see where it shakes out. Did anybody really think he was going to maintain a sub three ERA, a two and a half sort of ERA? I didn't. And, and so we talk about, you know, things evening out and having some bad luck go against, against them, throw some bad outings to kind of get the ERA to a more reasonable spot. I see a three forty eight right now. And I think he could kind of maintain that the rest of the year. I could be open to trading Corbin. I do think with the scenario right now, though, you're going to take a big hit on that return. So it's a matter of, is it worth it to you to take the hit? If you need something, yes, your team, you, you, you'll understand that context better. But if you're just trying to maximize value, now is not the time to deal Corbin. You, you missed your window and you're going to have to wait for another one. No, that's a great point. You missed your window completely. Let's talk about uh, Kate Upton's favorite baseball player, Rick Porcello. Uh, he's been a really interesting guy to watch this year because he never looks dominating. But you look at the lap, the end of the game box score, and he's—it's almost. I think Matt Modica tweeted it out one day. It was almost like identical start after start after start. It was really crazy looking at it. And he's on a great team with the Red Sox. You have him ranked fifty-third. What's your thoughts on Porcello? He's a Cy Young thief, so he should be banished. <laughs> To probably prison. I mean, I don't know if that's too hard. It's probably not harsh enough because you can't go around stealing Cy Youngs. (laughs) Uh, No, um, (laughs) you know, I have a hard time with with Rick Porcello. I watched him kind of come up through the the, the system with the Tigers and pitch and always felt that he was better than what what we were seeing. And he'd be frustrating because he would have that one bad inning, usually like the sixth inning, you know, kind of when you're getting deeper into the games. And then he kind of emerged with Boston in that second year and, and won a Cy Young and then bounced right back. And I think the bottom line is, is that he's just, he's, he's more of a, a, 380 to 420 type of pitcher and it's just kind of which side you're going to be on obviously everything went his way in 2016 for Porcello uh we're at 370 right now after a great start I think he kind of leveled out to where he's at now and you kind of live in that 370 to 420 range which you know might feel like a big difference because you're moving from the threes to the fours but that range is is very similar type of pitcher so he's a solid guy he is an innings guy, so that his strikeout rate, even though it's under one per inning, you're getting volume. And so I think that there's value in that. He's a fine pitcher, but he's definitely not someone I'm bending over backwards to get. Maybe I should have him a little bit higher, but I kind of put him at the uh, the top end of the spot starting tier. Most teams probably won't be able to spot him. You know, It's a spot start between your roster and reserve. It's not a spot start where you would cut Rick Porcello. I probably think with the way injuries have piled up now, he's he's probably more of a usually start where you're just kind of putting him in unless there's a really bad like home and home against the Yankees, you know, in Yankee Stadium on Monday, uh, in Fenway against them on Sunday or something like that. But otherwise, you're basically just have to start Porcello all the time. That sounds good. You'll have him ranked ahead of this guy. But I'm going to ask you anyways, and, and you do have him ranked ahead of him. You obviously know that, but for rest of season – Based on what you if if we didn't put names ahead of that description and one you gave earlier, you have a lot of similarities there. Lance Lynn or Rick Porcello? Exactly. No, you're you're exactly right that there's a lot of similarities there. 
and I don't have Lynn as high, but I, I have them in the same tier right now. And yeah. so that's, that's part of, um, Oh, actually, no, I don't. I don't. I have Lynn in the deep league spot starting tier. So he's a, he's a good bit behind right now, but then he's also put up a couple more good starts since that posting and I'll be bumping him up anyway. Yeah, that's honestly, I'm going to still go with Porcello because of the team and, and the fact that he's not walking the yard the way that, that Lynn has at times. So I'm still going to lean Porcello. But if you are looking, if you know, Porcello not available on waiver wires, if you're looking for poor man's Porcello, scoop you a Lance Lynn off the wire. I like it. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Uh, Mike Mikolas, he has an 80-grade stash, and Miles. he's getting it done. Miles, sorry, Miles. 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 Why, the heck did I call him? Why did I call him? Like? Fantastic stash. Outstanding. And he eats lizards. So what, what can you not like about this guy? And he doesn't walk anybody. So no. what are your thoughts on, on Miles Mikolas? Is he's not, you know, setting your strikeout records on fire for you, but he's putting together solid outing after solid outing. He really is. I mean, that's the thing. You kind of build around that, especially if you drafted him. You, you, you didn't come in expecting that there was going to be a lot of strikeouts for him or you shouldn't have. There was nothing to suggest that there was going to be for Michaelis. Um, but you take that excellent whip and and uh, ERA too. And of course, he's been going deep in the game. So he's been piling up wins on a solid St. Louis team. They're not elite, but he's been solid. Uh, or But they've been solid. And, and so he's piling up the wins. I like Miles Michaelis. I, I'm fully in here. I, I see no reason to kind of run from him i also don't think that there's a lot of equity in the market anyway i don't think you're going to go and really pull down a big haul and you drafted him so late you know might as well ride it out like and, and kind of see where it's at because there could be a lot of give back i don't think there's necessarily going to be by the way the advanced metrics don't say that he's going to fall apart but even if you got to a bottom line of of a, of a 350 era which would be a run higher than he's at right now you'd be pretty darn happy with that. Now, if you sold right now, you'd miss all the bad stuff. But again, you're not going to get enough to make it worthwhile. And I don't rule out the possibility that he, you know, control and commands himself to a to a sub three ERA for the full year for Michaelis. Like he's been that good. He's been that sharp. Watch him pitch. You'll be very impressed uh, compared to what you might, the preconceived notions that you might have based on the profile. No, I agree. He's, he's something especially the craftsman out there. And uh, he definitely was like a Houdini, not just the mustache aside. So he's getting it done. Looks really, really good. Uh, let's talk about his teammate, Michael Walker, who has peripheral number-wise looked great. But when you dig in deeper, 
strikeouts down a bit, walks are up, hard hit rates over 40%. You get a Sierra, it's like a 4.4. So one would suggest regression coming and it could come a little harder than you'd like, but sometimes it doesn't always happen. So what are your thoughts on Michael Walker? Yeah, and he took a big step you know, toward any regression that he was going to have uh, with his most recent outing where the Cubs just annihilated him. Uh, nine runs, eight of them earned in four innings, three homers there. So, you know, that, again, that's a big step in, in kind of what you were expecting to maybe fall back toward. I still see him as a mid-threes ERA sort of guy. I think there is good stuff with Michael Walker. I've been kind of a long-term believer. I think he has the stuff to be a really successful sort of mid-threes ERA type of guy. Uh, again, getting nice wins on that team. Just because you can't always perfectly plan for wins doesn't mean you can't set yourself up in better situations. And being on a team like the Cardinals, which is a quality team, is a good situation. They have some good bullpen pieces. I think they'll try to fortify their bullpen as well. Jordan Hicks is coming along. So you feel like it's okay turning over to the bullpen um, better than you did when Greg Holland was in that bullpen at least. So I like Waka. I might actually go and see about buying right now because of that horrific start. Somebody's like, oh, I missed my window. No one's going to give me anything. You go in there with a little something less than you would have given five days ago. And uh, you might be able to get it done. Cause I think people want to get out from under just as long as you're planning for like a three, three fifty to three eighty the rest of the year. Uh, you're, you're fine. Don't, don't put yourself in a headspace where you're expecting major things out of Waka. You're just expecting a quality rotation guy uh, to be one of your top four starters and you'll be good. Porcello or Waka. Waka. Okay. Did I rank it that way? I think I did. Is that consistent with me? Uh, yeah, he did. No, uh, yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, 42, 53. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the fun names here. Some of the kids or other guys that came out of nowhere that some are wanting to run and go go uh, get, acquire from someone, or you could sell for a pretty penny and not look back. And one of them is Caleb Smith, a lefty out of Miami. He's been outstanding this year, striking out the farm, ERA in the three sevens. Um, Pitches in a pitcher's ballpark on a bad team, though. So what are your thoughts on Caleb Smith? Would you would you like to buy, sell, or just kind of walk away? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've actually got him in a couple leagues, and I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm hanging on. But it's not enough to really run out and get, first off, terrible team context, which, you know, it's not the only – I've been bringing it up for different guys because it can be kind of a tiebreaker or a little bit of uh, a, uh, a sweetener on top. Yeah, I think it's a bigger factor than, than it's sometimes given credit for. And being on Miami, it's just, it's just a bad situation. So I think, you know, a lot of things can go sideways there. I believe in, in a – good bit of what he's doing he's got a 375 era right now 119 whip you can see the whip creeping up a little bit more maybe say one 125 plus um with that era and strikeouts that's not a bad rotation filler your fifth your sixth seventh starter that's fine but don't go buying it there's not a dominant pitch nick and i talked about him recently on a fireside chat and, and kind of came to the conclusion that hey it's fine riding it out there's some quality stuff here but it's not game changing and it's more likely to go up than down in terms of the era and whip so uh just kind of stick with it and you know if it gets too bad if there's you know three out of four bad starts or or three in a row that's the kind of guy you just cut at that point you, you take what you got and, and you just move on so no I, i'm keeping a it's a start to start thing with caleb smith okay 
Uh, let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. This is a guy that I've been high on a lot, but it's always been like a walk issue with Rodriguez. His strikeouts are always there. In his last, you know, I'd say month, month and a half, the walks for the most part have been quite controlled. Six innings today with two earned, one walk, nine strikeouts. Again, if you want to talk team concept, phenomenal team to play on. We've already established that with the Red Sox. But the walks are down this year, hard contacts down. What's your thoughts on Eduardo Rodriguez? He looks great. And and honestly, the only real concern with Eduardo Rodriguez is the health. And because it's been chronic lower half injuries with the knee, that's the only thing I ever worry about. Uh, another guy that that we did talk about on the on the podcast on the fireside chat with Nick. He really likes him. And I just, you know, the only thing I brought up was we just got to be leery of, of that health. But I also am the guy who says when the skills are in check and health is kind of your biggest concern, I'm still willing to bet on that because we don't, you know, we, we're not so sophisticated to know that guys are going to get hurt. The reason that he's a little bit different than some of those cases though, is when it's a chronic injury, it's the best predictor of, of future injuries. If it's kind of a mishmash of different things, unrelated things, unlucky things like Carlos Carrasco, um, I would say that there's not any super enhanced concern versus others. When it's somebody like Rodriguez who ha- always having the knee issue, I think there is a little bit more concern. That said, skills too good to bypass. I'm investing and I'm even open to to buying him and taking on that, that injury risk because the upside's so high. That's where I'm at. I'm looking to acquire him wherever I can. I'm kind of mad that I sat there and watched him for a week or two, and then he got snapped up everywhere. So um, that was a tough one because he got drafted in most leagues, but some people, when he was still injured, dropped him, and you had your chance. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Marco Gonzalez of the Seattle Mariners, another mm-hmm. lefty who you know I kept watching and watching and watching. I finally grabbed him in a couple leagues, but – I, I was always hesitant because he didn't seem to be like that overpowering guy. He doesn't strike out a ton, but his K rate's up to 21% now, which is pretty good. Um, and then all his peripherals, FIPS, XFIPS, Sierra's hard contact that works look really, really good. So what's your thoughts on Marco Gonzalez? Because there's starts I watch him and I get really concerned just because he looks so hittable. <laughs> he does. He does look hittable. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, I liked him as a prospect. I remember writing him up in, in some starting pitching guides back when he was a prospect with the Cardinals. He looked like kind of a ready-made guy who was going to come up from the minors uh, out of college pretty quickly. And I think he did make it to the majors pretty quickly after being drafted, but then injuries have really you know, uh, beset him and, and, and pushed him back to the point where just now he's finally starting to emerge. That was in 2014 that he debuted. Uh, he put 35 innings that year, just three major league innings in 15, none in 16, and then 40 very forgettable innings last year. And now this year, really starting to show some things. This is somebody where you know, the, the pedigree – uh, I mentioned it with Hanson having prospect pedigree in Barreto that that keeps you in on a guy like this just to say, hey, there was a reason he was drafted and, and there's a reason that he sucked too. It's been health. It's not like he just hasn't had any skill. Like you can not wash it away, but you can explain the awfulness of Marco Gonzalez that his health just hasn't been there. And I think it's fair to say, OK, don't judge him off of that count it be mindful that he's an injury risk but do not run away from him because of it and now we're seeing some really solid skills i think he's another one of these guys that's kind of a high threes uh with a with a mid one twos sort of whip very useful this team has been amazing that the mariners have been so impressive that they're going to put marco gonzalez in a lot of positions uh for wins too so you know, in that same sort of sort of tier with a lot of guys that we've been talking about, not someone I'd necessarily chase via trade, but if I have him, I'm not overly anxious that he's going to tank on me. 
All right. I think I know the answer here again, but I'm going to ask you this because to me, if I watched both of them pitch side by side, I'd see a lot of resemblances, but you have a pedigree with one and not with the other. Would you still rather have Dallas Keuchel or would you rather gamble on Marco Gonzalez? That's another good one. You're good at this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still going to lean on Keuchel um, because I think he's operated with – they are very similar skill sets, and he's maximized it. before. I think he understands how to best utilize that same skill set of you know low velocity, contact management, get chases out of the zone. I think they're more likely to kind of meet in the middle right now where, where Keiko comes back to it and, and Marcos kind of moves towards him. Uh, so yeah, let me get Keiko there, but that's again on the wire. There's not going to be any Keikos. If you want a poor man's Keiko, you go get yourself a Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, or if someone, if they're both owned in a 15 teamer, go trade for Marco. Save some, exactly. Save, save some, some your collateral. Save some name value there for sure because you're going to get him cheaper and you're probably going to approximate damn near the same thing, if not better. Again, there's there's still a yeah. scenario where Marco Gonzalez is better than Keiko, but if I'm betting on the two straight up, I'll take Keiko by by a shred. Yeah. Well, we already talked about one 80-grade stash. Well, here's another one for you, Daniel Mengden. This guy is so much fun to watch. He's just like the complete character. Him and Miklas, they must be like brothers from another mother. So Absolutely. I was it's calling crazy. him AL uh, Michaelis for most of the yeah. year, and then obviously had a rough week this week drawing the Angels and, and Astros. But, yeah, I'm with you on Mengden there. The, the mustache is too great, and he works with uh, command and control. You know, th- again, this was a brutal week, and yeah, I think one. people knew it was coming in, though. There, the, there was fantasy advice out there saying sit him. If you have him, sit him. If you can only cut in like a 10 or 12 teamer, you don't really have a reserve um, as some leagues are, then cut him. You don't want these two starts. And that worked out. It boosted his ERA back up all the way to 4.06. That said, he's past that now. And if you did, you were able to weather that on your bench, I'm not completely running away, but I think he's kind of where he belongs now. And he's going to meander between 380 and 430. And the problem is no Ks, like none. Yes. And not the not the same whip. So he's a little bit more of a poor man's Mikolas, but um, there's some value there. Your team, it has to be team specific though. You have to have your Ks on lock and you're really chasing ratios. If that's where you're at, it's specifically whip and go ahead and get Mengden. Anything else where you need Ks or, or even ERA, I don't think he's the one for you. That's a great point. He's not a strikeout guy by any means. The best thing I could say about Mingdon, and it's basically what you were saying, he, like Mikolas, you can start every start pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mingdon, it's so start specific. Like you said this week, even though there's a two starter, I, I said it with Alex Cobb earlier, when, uh, not on this podcast, but earlier this week when he got shelled, that no two pitch starters are built equally. They don't just, exactly. you don't automatically start them because there are two. Then there are people that think that way. Oh, wait, no. you have two starts this week? He's in the lineup. Agreed. Especially in points. Yeah. Like, what's points? Uh, he'll, he'll accumulate some points. No, he could get you minus points. Yes. Like that, you. that your scale goes below zero. Yes, there is a negative in this situation. So, Mingdon, really, really good pitcher, young pitcher, spot start type stuff. A- absolutely. And, um, you know, th- there's usually a rule, too, that if you can't use a guy in a two start, you should cut him. I did make an exception for Mingdon and I, I, I kept him start. in a league where I didn't start him and I started him in another, by the way, cause I had no other options, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, usually it's saying if you can't start somebody in a two start, you should cut him. I made the exception with Mingdon. So 
we'll see if he can get back on track after a very rough draw. Yeah, I think he will. Good ballpark there. Let's talk about a pitcher you have ranked 25th overall, and he's earned every bit of that. Could be higher for some people. Ross Stripling's been outstanding for the Dodgers. He's, in theory, saving them and keeping them in the race. He has been amazing. But the, the question I have for you is, I'm assuming you just want to ride this out, but my concern is innings. He has not gone deep in his career. He's been a reliever a lot or just kind of injured or in the minors. What's your thoughts on the stripling the rest of the way? That's a valid concern, right? I think he threw 77 total innings last year, uh, like 106, uh, looks like 120 the year before that. However, he's out of the injury nexus uh, as a 28 year old. So I don't think he's uh, somebody that they have to fully baby. And, you know, I think they can, they can push it a little bit, especially because they might simply have to, they might not have the luxury. I know they get guys back all the time, but it seems like one comes back, one goes on the DL in, in his place. So, I really like what Stripling's doing. Is he going to keep a 176, 101 ERA whip combo? No, of course not. We all know that. But what's he going to go to? And I think the rest of the year you could expect more of like a 320, uh, 115 sort of guy with good strikeouts, uh, very useful on a quality team. The way, you know, I I keep mentioning Nick. Apparently we're best friends. Uh, But he has a great term. Uh, it's called getting Sullivan. When you want to write about somebody <laughs> and you go to realize that, that Jeff Sullivan's already written about him. And I got super Sullivan on Stripling because um, we had talked about him on the pod and I just watched three starts and I was zeroing in on just how amazing this breaking ball was and how deceptive it was in comparison to his fastball. And it's literally exactly the the thrust, as it should be, uh, of Jeff's piece on him. And Jeff did it better than I could have anyway, so it was totally fine. But I definitely got Sullivan there with Stripling. I recommend it. Just go to Ross Stripling's uh, Fangraphs page. It'll be the first article up there uh, just under his biographical information. You can see the most recent five articles. And actually, it'll be second because he was mentioned in another pod. But go read that. If you're worried about Stripling, you're wondering, like, well, how is he so good? Like, who is this guy? Go watch that. Go read that and watch those gifts. You'll see how deceptive, how difficult he is to differentiate between the fastball and curveball, and that's why he's been so dang good. I don't worry too much about the innings, though. They might space him out a little bit, skip him here and there, but I think they can extract you know, upwards of uh, another – I don't think they have to take him out, by the way. I think they can just push it and say if he ends up with 150 innings, that's fine. You know, So I, I don't think that's somebody that they have to just put on the shelf for a couple weeks to save innings with Ross Stripling. Now, his name is Red right now. Would you be looking to deal him? Yeah, I'd definitely be open to that because I do think you can really get something going in the market there. Um, you know, not a super high profile guy, but he was a, a prospect of some note, but he's on a great team. He's been so excellent. Uh, I do think the numbers kind of speak for themselves. And even if you're, you know, I'm always kind of forward in, in a trade talk and I, I'm open to saying, like, listen, I'm looking to trade this guy. I know he's not going to say a 176. I'm not asking you for somebody of a 176 ERA caliber, but I want something substantial. This guy's going to be a, a really good pitcher, I think. So don't try to beat around the bush and be, and you know dupe an owner into thinking that they're buying a sub-2 ERA pitcher. They're not stupid. They know they're not. But if you just kind of forward and say, listen, you need a three-something, low threes ERA pitcher. I got one for you, and he's a damn fine one. So I am open to dealing Stripling because I do think you can get a big bat in return, um, and, and and that should be something you should entertain if your pitching is on lock and you need some hitting. All right, two more names I want to get to here. Two names I have a time trying to uh, click the add button on. 
First will be Dylan Covey of the Washington, or White, Chicago White Sox, who has just been sneaky good start after start after start. I'm waiting for the blow up, and it's just not happening. What are you seeing with Dylan Covey? Yeah, Dylan Covey's been really interesting. Now, here, here again, a prospect of some acclaim. He was a first-round pick, I believe. Um, okay, I think he was a first-round pick, then went to school because he had Round diabetes, four. right? And then, and then got uh, redrafted. Yeah, and then got redrafted yeah. in the fourth. I think that's his path. And I think that was Dylan Covey. Yeah, first round by the Milwaukee Brewers in 2010. Then he was diagnosed with diabetes. Decided he wanted to go to school and kind of deal with that at school. So he went to San Diego. Got redrafted in the fourth round. So there is some some pedigree here. He is 26 years old. I think that uh, what we're seeing here is 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 some viability. Uh, really leaning into a fastball slider combo, and it's it's kind of suiting him pretty well. And he also has the a split finger. I'm a sucker for split fingers. I, I just really like. He doesn't overly rely on it. The strikeouts aren't going to be huge. They aren't already, and he doesn't miss a ton of bats. But I think we could get a some quality starts here. He's a spot starter for sure in mixed leagues. Dylan Covey is, but he's again, one of those that you spot start between your roster and the reserve, as opposed to cutting him after you utilize him. So I think maybe Don Cooper, you know, he hasn't had a, a win as a, as a pitching coach lately. Maybe this is one for him with Dylan Covey, because I do think there's some viability there, but heed that 130 whip. When you see a 229 ERA and a 130 whip, that's a mix that doesn't work. And generally when the whip is that much higher, that's telling you that that ERA is going to creep up. I think you're you're buying a four ERA guy, but in a lot of leagues, pl- pl- plucking a four ERA guy off the wire still has a lot of value. And he's got a 333 BABIP. Do you see that maybe coming down? I think that, that it could come down a little bit. Um, I think it's probably about where it should be, though, because even if it kind of comes down to you know, 320, 315, that, that's definitely a drop, but I don't think it would drastically change his outlook. Um, he doesn't allow a ton of hard contact, though. There's a lot of ground ball contact, though, and ground ball guys tend to have higher BABIPs. That said, Kovey is in 61%, and once you start to get in that 60-plus percent range, then the ground ball uh, becomes an asset. Because you're 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 dealing with contact management. I don't know how good Tim Anderson and Yomakata and and their and Matt Davidson are on the infield for them. Um, so I don't know if that defense is is aiding what he's doing with that big ground ball rate. Um, but if they are, then uh, it's Carlos Sanchez, Matt Davidson's DH. But either way, Yomer Sanchez. If Yomer. they're quality defensively, then yeah, I think it could come down and then bring that whip down. But as it stands right now, I feel like I'm buying a four ERA one. 125 whip i'll say that the whip comes down a little bit i think that's what i'm buying your league where that's useful go ahead and scoop him daniel mingdon or dylan covey Mm, i'll go i'll go mingdon i think i've seen more quality from him uh that you're again you're really good at this because that's (laughs) another close one yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go mingdon barely Okay. Last name I want to bring up here, and it makes the, a lot of Boston Red Sox fans want to vomit, and just baseball fans in general at the time. But Clay Buckholtz has found himself at the moment in Arizona. They signed him to a minor league deal. He's been pitching five and two thirds today, one earned. Yeah. He's not striking out the world, but he's putting it together right now on the season at two nine four ERA. Obvious regression coming there. At least one would think. Are you going to ride this out, or are you still staying far, far away? 
can't stand Cletus. I've yeah. never been a Clay Buckles fan. He looks like Cletus from The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, I'm just so not a fan. But again, let's be consistent. I just said just because you don't like a dude, and it's it's sports hate, by the way. I don't know that. Yeah. I think he had like one run in off the field ages ago when he was young. But I I don't think he's like some you know garbage human or anything like that. I just like to sports hate him. I don't know. Like again, he, chalk one up for the humidor. His cutter's been working really well. I think there is some viability, uh, but again, I think it's the Covey sort of deal. If you're if you're okay buying a one a four four ERA one twenty and that's what you kind of need, then fine. Uh, you're not buying a three twenty one one oh four, which is what Buckholz is at right now. And if you're comfortable with that then all systems go and you might get something better than that. But, but going thinking I'm buying a four ERA and a 120. Yeah. We'll go 120 whip because he's not walking anybody. Um, and then work from that. And, and that decides whether or not you want to buy buckles. Okay. Yeah. I think and if you, uh, if you do buy them, go get some Pepto, maybe buy some stock in it, whatever yes. works for you. Cause you're going to need that. So just, just to take that in advance. Don't watch them when you, when you put them on your team. Yeah. There, there are some guys do not watch at all. It's a very, very good point. So uh, yeah, don't do it. But Paul, that wraps us up, man. I appreciate it. I could sit here and talk with you all day, but uh, you're a busy, busy man and we don't need to do it all day. We can do it some other time. Hey, but, I'm- <laughs> Would love to be back on. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Got to talk a lot of pictures, and, uh, and and now we'll get to do the fireside chat here in a little bit, so people can do a double dose of. I don't know when you release this, but Sunday night could be a double dose of Paul Spore if somebody's so inclined to make that terrible decision. It'll be dropping on their feeds later this evening, so they can Perfect. definitely go check it out and go check him out on Twitter at Spore S P R S P O R E R. And he, um, do you want to talk about your Twitch real quick and let everybody know what they can do with you there? Oh, yeah. I, I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pspore24. For those that don't know what it is, it's a video streaming platform focused around video games where I play MLB The Show and interact with my chat, talking about baseball, pretty much baseball all the time. Uh, you know, we take questions in there. We talk about fantasy. We talk about, quote, unquote, real baseball. And, and it's not always baseball. Sometimes we veer off talking about other stuff. It's a lot of fun, though. And I know what some of you are thinking. I'm going to watch this guy play video games. That's everybody's reaction. Then they come out and they see what it's about. I felt that way. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch some dude play video games. Okay. Then I started doing it. I absolutely love it. It's a lot of fun. Give it a shot. You still might not like it, but drop the preconceived notions and at least give it a shot. It's basically my Friday chats from Fangraphs, but in video form while I also play a video game. The way I've explained it to people is, People will sit and watch a talk show on TV. What's the difference? Thank you. <laughs> it's the difference. Thank it's the you. same thing. <laughs> like, seriously. Exactly. They watch video <laughs> podcasts. What yeah. the hell is the difference? And 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 if you play the game, it's all the better because you're invested that way and we're talking about the game and stuff. But even if you don't, we have plenty of people who have come off my Twitter as DFS players and fantasy players that just come in and hang out and they don't even have a PS4 to play MLB The Show. So you don't have to be a gamer to get value out of it. If you like baseball, I feel confident that you would enjoy hanging out. So twitch.tv slash pspore24. I'm not on tonight, so you can't get a triple dose of Paul. But then Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before I go out to Denver this weekend for my Fangraphs trip. Cool. So yeah, go check them out on Twitter, Twitch, you know, Sleeper in the Bus Pod, and all the good work at Fangraphs. And uh, yeah, Paul, thanks for joining me, man. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me on. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 101. Catch you guys next time.